Ordinary Fellowship is a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations will offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me as always is my co-host, Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. Hey. Today, um, we have our second guest that we've ever had on our uh, podcast, a friend of mine named John Botkin. Um, he's going to be with us to talk about gospel threads. And originally, he was supposed to be here with us in person, but unfortunately, uh, we had to meet over Zoom uh, in order to record this podcast today. Um, due to some unfortunate circumstances. So I, Matthew and I hope that you're encouraged uh, to witness and share the gospel, um, especially because it's the Christmas season. And John, in this, in this podcast, will help you think through some of the ways we can share the gospel through the Christmas season. So, we hope you enjoy today's podcast, and uh, as always, we look forward to hearing input from you. We're here this morning with my friend John Botkin to discuss gospel threads. John, is there anything you want to tell us about yourself or tell our audience about yourself? I'm originally from Southern Ohio, pastored in Michigan for about 13 and a half years, for reasons that are not sinful, but also too long to get into here, had about four years off, and now I am on staff at Providence Bible Fellowship in Westchester, Ohio. And the funny thing is, John and I are both from Ohio, and we both moved to Michigan, and we met in Michigan, and then we both moved back to Ohio around the same time. So. God works in mysterious ways, has wonders to perform. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Jeremy used the terminology gospel thread. So, John, what can you describe? What do you mean when you say gospel threads? Yeah, so I don't know that this is something that was original to David Platt, but that's where I first heard this idea of gospel threads. And the idea is you've got several threads of theology, of biblical teaching that make up um, the essential message of the gospel. And so when we are having conversations with people, particularly conversations uh, with people that we know well, we see all the time, and we're not quite sure how to quite get to a full gospel presentation uh, smoothly, easily with that person, one of the things that we can do is begin weaving um, the kind of components or the, the threads that make up the tapestry of the gospel into our conversation, laying the groundwork so that over time they will get a complete uh, picture of the gospel and will actually be able then to easily move into a full gospel presentation and call for repentance and faith. All right. So can you give us a few examples of how you might begin to weave these threads into a conversation? Sure. Uh, one of the things we should do is talk about the gospel threads themselves. You've got like God and his holiness, um, God's love. You've got Christ. You've got the sinfulness of humanity, the need to respond, those type of things. And um, so a couple of the ways that I've done this, uh, thinking particularly of uh, having worked at a financial institution for a few years and knowing that just kind of coming right out of the gate uh, would not necessarily go well. I got to employ this a lot. So one of the things, there was a lady talking with me one time about um, 
a mom who had killed her kids. It was a big news headline and um, she was just uh, astonished and um, just could not understand how someone could, could ever do this. And this lady was raised Catholic, not a practicing Catholic. And I just said to her, well, I said, we, we know the answer, don't we? And she kind of looked at me like, well, I don't know that I know the answer. And I said, people are sinful. They have a sinful heart. They have a sinful nature and they're, they're going to sin sometimes in bad ways, sometimes in really grotesque ways, like this mother or killer kids. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. And, and so there was a key gospel thread that I was able to weave into that conversation about the sinfulness of humanity. There was another time a lady uh, was go a different lady. Um, up until recently, there was like all ladies in that office except for me. So <laughs> uh, there was another lady who was going to go in for surgery and people were talking about any, any surgery has risks. And uh, one person said they would be worried about not waking up from a procedure. And uh, as I was getting ready for our meeting, handing things out, someone said, what about you, John? Would you be worried about not waking up from, um, from a, a routine surgery? And I said, well, in the sense that I wouldn't want to feel like I've abandoned my wife or kids. Um, no, uh, I wouldn't want that to happen. But at the same time, if it did, I would be okay. Uh, I know where I'm going when I die. And it was another, you know, that kind of actually stopped the conversation a little bit, you know, <laughs> uh, but I was able to weave in that idea of it's possible to know uh, what comes after death. There is something after death and it's possible to know what that is and to know where you're going to be confident in that ultimately, because we know of Christ, uh, maybe one more uh, gospel thread. And that is um, one that I, I wove through a lot of conversations and that was anytime something good happened uh both in my life or around the even the office um i would i would attribute it to god and say god was been very gracious god's been very merciful god's been very good uh one time in particular we had this thing called the the um uh express box if the lobby was too busy someone could throw their transaction to this box and walk out. And we did not like that box <laughs> because it, because it, we had to open it by the end of the night and process whatever transaction was in there. And so if you had a really busy day and you were just slammed, even once we locked those doors, we then had to go and process whatever that was. So if you had five or 10 of these loan payments, someone had to stand there and do that instead of, you know, um, counting down their drawer and be ready to, to exit. And so one time uh, we were just slamming jamming all day and uh, ended up not closing the doors until like 520 and we're supposed to be done at five and uh, had the last member out there. And so we, uh, oh, you know, turned the locks, opened the door. There was nothing in there. And uh, they were like, oh, man. And I said, it wasn't God so kind to us today, uh, you know, and the person was like, yeah, I guess he was, you know, <laughs> so these, these are just, you know, some, some simple examples of, of, uh, and I could give many more, but just a few of what it, what it looks like to weave gospel threads, to be intentional about your conversation um, and just the natural, normal, everyday things people are talking about, but wanting to, to begin turning them towards gospel conversations. Hey, um. Are there specific, it almost sounds like you have specific gospel themes in mind uh, when you're talking about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
uh, David Platt again lists, uh, he's actually got what I would recommend is you go and go to radical.net. I think it is. And he's got a free ebook you can download. You just sign up for it. Um, and it's just called gospel threads. If you don't want to do that, you can actually listen to his sermons where he goes through these, these themes and, uh, you can find that as well. So again, you're thinking about, um, you're thinking about in terms of specific threads, you're thinking about God, um, his character. And so um, you can talk about, you know, um, him being sovereign over creation. You can talk about his glory, his holiness, uh, justice. Uh, that's something that would be uh, on a lot of people's minds these days. Um, I already talked a little bit about his, his grace and his mercy in our lives. Uh, but then there's the, the sinfulness of man, that, uh, that our sinfulness is not just kind of generic, but it's specific in terms of our rebellion against God. And so we can talk about being created in his image, uh, a kind of positive thing about humanity, but then also that we've rebelled uh, against humanity and what that looks like both in terms of our individual lives, the lives of others, or even um, just our deadness to spiritual things and the needs of people. Um, this time of year, especially it's the holidays, um, you know, people are jerks <laughs> when you're in the stores, when you're in parking lots, uh, on the roads, people are just selfish. They're wanting their own way. And whenever, and people like to gripe about this and when, and complain. And, uh, whenever that takes place, it's just really easy to say, you know, this is just evidence of our sinfulness before God that, you know, at our heart, we are selfish, sinful people and we want what we want when we want it. Uh, obviously you want to get to Christ. You want to talk about, um, specifically the saving effects of his death and his resurrection. Um, the fact that the condemnation we deserve for our sin was taken upon him and the righteousness that we need to stand before God, uh, is given to us because of what Jesus has done. And the other thing I would say that you want to press in on is, um, that idea of a response and the necessity of faith. Not all of us are going to be saved. Christianity is not a universal uh, salvation message. It is very much, you have a responsibility for God to um, acknowledge your sin, to trust Christ, uh, to repent and believe. I think one of the good things about this idea of gospel threads is sometimes we can believe the idea that we get one shot. So we got to pull off the cannon and just blast the gospel at them at one time. And, we can force the issue. So can you speak to why this is better than trying to just force the gospel at somebody? Yeah. Um, I would say from observation and personal experience with, uh, other people, um, in my family, uh, people that you've got to see coworkers that you've, that you're going to see every day, you know, that's a big moment. You know, if it's a stranger, if I'm doing street evangelism, I'm never going to see that. I mean, hopefully I'll see that person because they're going to believe and right. I can connect them to a church. But but the reality is um, I'm not going to ever see that person again if they don't believe. Um, so it doesn't really matter what they think of me. Um, now, that doesn't mean, I, again, I should just blast them and run over them and be, again, a, a, the proverbial jerk in this. But what it does mean is that um, there is a sense of urgency to put all the cards on the table. But for someone you're going to see again and again and again and again, you've got to have either a good family relationship, a good working relationship. It's a lot better if, if you're kind of weaving these things in so that by the time it seems really natural and right, and you just feel God saying, now's the time to cash your chips in here. Um, you've laid this groundwork and this foundation that God ha has been using to work in their mind and their heart and to make them receptive when you say, 
this is the gospel and, and this is what, this is what we need to do. That's really, really helpful. Um, another you're, reading thing was, my, you're reading my mind with these questions, Matthew. <laughs> I, I, another thing that um, I saw that Platt talks about is to avoid church language. I think that's really important for us to think about as well. How do we avoid that pitfall of falling into church language and instead use practical, un, understandable language to communicate the truth? Yeah, I think we've got a couple of different things going on there that would be helpful. First of all, we have to understand what the biblical language itself means, right? So I need the word justification is in the Bible. I need to know what justification means. If I know what the biblical definition of justification is, then I'm going to be able to put it in everyday language, right? So I don't say uh, we are justified in Christ because justified in the popular terminology means like, well, I, I feel good that I can go about doing what I think I want to do. Like it kind of is almost counterintuitive. But if I say God demands we're righteous, that, that we have a, a perfect goodness in our life that doesn't come from just outward works of religion or, or good deeds or giving to charity, but something inward uh, that we can stand before him and be declared innocent and, and good and not guilty before him. The problem is we don't have that, but in Christ, he is, he has lived that kind of life. And so that is credited to my account. Um, and so, so being able to, uh, you have to first understand what is the biblical language, but then the other part is, um, I would say you have to spend time thinking about how to put it into non-church language. I think most of us talk, I mean, if you hear the average Christian pray, um, it's, I mean, it's just a lot of churchy platitudes that may or may not be appropriate to the, to the moment piled on top of one another, unfortunately. And, um, so this is why it's important that we understand what is the actual meaning of the church language and then, then take the time to actually think through what does this sound like in everyday speech? I think the other thing that you can do is think about, um, so, so something like justice. Well, what do you mean when you talk about justice, you know, and if they have a good understanding of justice, I think we can say, um, yeah, I think justice is important, but you know, I also think because humanity is sinful, um, there isn't ever going to be perfect justice in this life, but in the life to come, there is going to be perfect justice because there's a perfect judge and he does not just see the evidence before him. He knows the heart. He knows everything. And so he knows whether or not someone is guilty or innocent and he will judge the guilty accordingly. So I think that, that that's a couple of different things that you can do to, to kind of avoid that, that overly churchy language. I think that's really helpful. Another thing that Platt talks about is after the threads is to write your own story. So can you connect the threads to the idea of writing your testimony and putting those two thoughts together for us? Yeah. So I, I would say, you know, whether or not you've got that outline or you've got, um, I know a real simple one is God, man, Christ response. Um, and to think through who is God, um, you know, who is humanity, but what you want to do is really think through that outline and then think through how has this been displayed in my life? And so I would encourage someone um, not just to make that a mental exercise, but really to either sit down, you know, type it out on your phone or on a, you know, on a computer or just get a journal or a scrap piece of paper and actually write down thoughtfully, what has God done in my life? How was I rebelling against God when he called me to salvation? Or if I, for, for example, with, with me, who was called at a very young age, 
Um, you know, I don't have a dramatic testimony in the traditional sense, but one of the things I can do is talk about the ways that I have continued to be imperfect, even as a Christian, and yet God has continued to forgive me and help grow me and, and set me on a path that continually helps me to look more and more at Jesus in faith so I can act like Jesus in life. So the idea is just sitting down and spending some time thinking about how are these themes the things that God himself has done in your life and how you are continuing to grow. And if you are finding that you're struggling, then maybe, I mean, maybe this is a good opportunity to kind of be convicted that maybe you're not leaning in on the relationship with God that he wants you to have. And it will actually encourage your own godliness and faithfulness, even as you're trying to prepare to witness to other people. You any questions, Jeremy? Yeah, <laughs> I do. Um, so one of the reasons... One of the reasons for the timing of this when it is, is because uh, at the time we were assuming that families would be getting together for Christmas, <laughs> which may not be the case now, but right. Um, but even if families aren't getting together necessarily, um, I, you know, I still have to work. So how do you think you can relate these gospel threads to Christmas do you have any examples how you could use Christmas to really? Sure. Um, yeah, well, the one we already talked about, and that is um, the kind of negative way that people tend to act around Christmas as, you know, uh, a, a kind of selfishness. But on the flip side, um, I think that I've also observed that there are at times this, this kind of generic, but nevertheless real spirit of Christmas that people embrace and are willing to kind of, you know, act are, you know, with kindness towards random people. And I think there's a way to, to leverage that as well and talk about God's common grace um, that he extends uh, to all people. And that while people are sinful, they're not completely sinful. Um, you know, sinful people can do good things. And I've been the beneficiary of that. Um, obviously, we, you know, there's a lot of talk about the secular Santa Claus Christmas versus the, um, you know, versus the the baby Jesus and the more explicitly Christian Christmas. And I would say, you know, a real easy way to bridge that gap, at least for me, is to talk about the real St. Nicholas and uh, the fact that, uh, you know, uh, the, the kind of modern legend of Santa Claus is based on a real guy and his reputation for being generous with his wealth um, to not seeing that as something to hold on to, uh, but something to give away freely and talk about how um, he was, ready to defend Jesus and his reputation at a church council because he loved him so much. And without getting into the whole, you know, I've come to give gifts and punch heretics and I'm all out of gifts uh, <laughs> meme, you know, you can talk about instead Jesus who did not hold on to his glory in heaven, but humbled himself and came down and generously gives his love to people who don't deserve it. So that would be uh, at least a couple of ways that I could think of that would be easy to kind of bridge some conversations because uh, a lot of people like that kind of, especially on the, on the St. Nicholas thing, they like the Paul Harvey, here's the rest of the story uh, yeah. kind of things, I think. And so particularly if you have uh, family members who maybe have this perennial question mark in their mind, and that is when do you tell your kids that Santa isn't real or how do you do that? Do you ever, do you lie to your kids? I think, again, that that's a good way to kind of say, well, you know, maybe instead of just saying Santa's not real, you can say, 
um, you know, are, uh, you know, kind of the Santa that you see drinking Coke and everything else is not, is, is based on a person who was real. Let me tell you about that real person. So uh, that, that might be some ways to get at that. All right. Well, um, any, is there anything other, any other thoughts that you feel you didn't get to uh, stay in this conversation about gospel threads that you'd well, like to share with I don't us? think the podcast is long enough for all that, but <laughs> I, will, <laughs> I will say this. Um, uh, I think sometimes Christians have this fear that if they don't do everything perfectly in evangelism, um, they're going to, they're going to make somebody end up worse than they already are. And, um, and so it, it hamstrings them from wanting to say anything. And I would say, uh, for the most part, if people are lost and on their way to hell, there's not much worse you can do for them. Um, so, so that's thing number one. Thing number two is, um, even if you don't have the, the perfect words, uh, Paul is very clear that God uses our weakness um, and, he, and reveals his strength in that. I mean, just think about where we're on the, at the theme of Christmas. Who in the world would have thought Mary and Joseph would have been the parents of the Messiah, right? So... Um, in the same way God uses us and even of our feeble, um, you know, um, stumbling attempts at evangelism uh, to ultimately bring people to the gospel. And even if you don't get to that full conversation, even if you're the one that talks with someone for years and years, but God uses someone else to bring them to the faith, don't feel like you had no, no part of that. God used those conversations. So I would say, um, you know, don't, don't be afraid to make mistakes and let that prevent you from saying anything. Um, um, speak a word for Christ. Do so humbly. Do so boldly. Uh, do so faithfully, and God will honor that and be pleased. Well, I think this is one of the things that, when I heard you give this talk about gospel threads, that I really appreciated is it, it's calling us to be faithful, but it's also recognizing um, God's sovereignty and He works where and when He pleases. And so, our job is to is to share the gospel. And it's not necessarily going to be a full gospel presentation every time we talk to someone, especially because we're talking about somebody who we have a long-term relationship with, not not some cashier that we're going to see one time and never see him again, or like you said, when you go street preaching. So to me, this is really helpful because, you know, when at work, these are the kind of things I try to do when those opportunities open themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, not to re reinvent the wheel here, but the other thing I would say, if you're just still feeling like you have a hard time thinking about how to even start talking this way, almost universally on Monday morning, people say, how was your weekend? Mm -hmm. And the easiest thing for the Christian to do is say, uh, well, Sunday morning was great because I got to go to church. I heard a great sermon. I got to see all my closest friends. Uh, now I know obviously COVID, you know, can, can change that a, a, a little bit, but yeah. just saying, talking about your experience in church is just a really easy way to lay that groundwork to say, okay, not only am I religious, I'm religious of the kind that uh, actually enjoys um, the formal aspects of my, uh, of my religion, namely church. But more than that, um, I have friends there, you know, it's, it's a meaningful experience. I'm not just going through the motions and, and that will, kind of break up that, that iciness of, uh, if you just, you know, jump right into, Hey, you're a sinner and you need Jesus. Are you ready to pray? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I think one of the things that the, another thing that this does is it can help people who 
maybe cautious and worried because they have to make a whole gospel presentation, yeah. be able to wade in more slowly and maybe with God's help, gain some confidence in sharing a, an entire gospel presentation in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I've thought about too, you know, uh, again, I would just encourage people to listen to those sermons. Platt's got a lot of examples, but I actually thought what, what might be a really helpful handmaiden is just, you know, 20 or 30 examples under each of those threads, just to give people these ideas, like be creative. I mean, you know, boy, isn't it a, isn't it a beautiful day outside? Yeah. Guess who made this day? You know, God in heaven, he made everything. I mean, right. how, how easy is it? But we don't, we don't, part of it is we don't think that way. Uh, but well, yeah, I'm being, usually the one complaining. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're exactly right. Being able to wade into those kind of uh, baby steps of, and being able to see um, even the small ways that people are receptive to hearing those kinds of comments, right. I think will give us courage and confidence to talk even more. Yeah. Um, there was one more thing. Oh, I was going to say that uh, Matthew will find those, or I will find those David Platt uh, sermons and things, and uh, we'll put it on our Facebook site. So anybody who's interested in finding those, uh, if you look for Ordinary Fellowship on Facebook, we'll be sharing those uh, when we share our podcast. So excellent. So, and we might, we might link to Providence, what? Providence Bible Church? Providence Bible Fellowship. Yep. Providence Bible Fellowship. We'll link to them too so they can stalk you if they want. <laughs> Perfect. Wait, we have locks on the doors. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. It's good talking to you. Um, we appreciate you being here. We wish you were here face to face, but it, it's good to have the technology uh, to at least see each other and talk face to face. So thanks yeah. a lot for joining us today. God bless. God bless. Thank you. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship. We would also like to once again thank John Botkin for joining us to explain gospel threads to us. But Ordinary Fellowship is a ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. If you would like more information about Two Rivers Community Church, you can find it on the web at www.tworiverscc.org. Please send us any comments or, or questions that you might have to ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com and subscribe on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship. We thank you again for listening where we, to Ordinary Fellowship, where we strive to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.